What up, everybody? I'm here with Cody Cross for another episode of Sawyer Saloon. Cody, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic. I'm trying to find one of these tests that we just discussed, but um, there's no like one size fits all. So when discussing what we were going to talk about today, I looked up world events, but I guess I looked it up in like not the search bar, but the website bar up at the top. And so it brought me to this domain and, but under the other searches, I've got uh, uh, current world events, uh, Sims plans. <laughs> if you play in the Sims, uh, hail maps, just the word most. I don't know what that really means, but okay. Whole earth and I have, I got depression quiz. So let's click on have I got depression quiz and let's take it. <laughs> depression isn't just a sadness test a new depression option okay all right this is called depression test for teens so cody i'm going to read you the questions and i'm going to answer them i'm going to answer them however you answer them and we're going to find out if you're depressed <laughs> oh good okay oh my gosh Okay, so this is actually for a teenager. So this is gonna find out if you were a teenager, would you be upset? I don't, I don't want to do this. You don't want to <laughs> do this? I think it'd be fun. I think that these questions are gonna be like, whatever. Fuck it. It's it's from Stanford. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to meet Dr. Khan, the guy who came up with it. That's what this whole thing sounds like, a con. All right, we can move on to something else. Uh... <laughs> I want to see I want to see what you say about this. Okay. Epistemology is the is the theory of knowledge, especially with regard to its methods, validity and scope. Epistemology is the investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. An example is he grappled with metaphysics and epistemology in his writings and sermons. So are you familiar with like metaphysics and like the whole precipice of that or like quantum physics? I've heard the name. <laughs> I don't know much about it. The only thing I know about it is that when you measure something on like the, the the smallest level that you can measure something, um, it seems like everything that we think is matter is only energy and information. Like if you, if you go down into like the like if you take <clears throat> the distance between the particles, the distance is so far it's as if nothing is really here. So that's like the idea of metaphysics because you can't, but you also can't see it. So like, you don't really know that. So it's like at, at the level of that, everything is so small that nothing is here at all, which means that form comes into existence based off of our perception. Another idea of the epistemology is like, <clears throat> if you're dreaming, if you're dreaming that you're a butterfly, or it, it begs the question, once you wake up from that dream, am I, am I as a human dreaming that I'm a butterfly? 
Uh Or am I a butterfly dreaming that I'm a human? So that's epistemology in my limited exposure to what it means. So do you think that there are physical things here and or do you think that there's not? I mean, I know when I beat my meat, my cock's pretty physical in my hands, so I could definitely feel that. Wow. That that's your that's your response to that. Dog, I have no idea what you're talking about. I uh because you're stupid. So for for a for a <laughs> stupid person like yourself. <laughs> Please d- I am an idiot. Please dumb it down. My brain doesn't work like that. My brain is like, all right, literally the whole time I'm listening to you, I'm like, what can I pull from to make a joke about? <laughs> that is the only thing I am thinking about right now. So okay. But I, and, well, I let me well let me let me let me I do want to say something about it because you said it was like the the and I may be getting this wrong, but you said it was like the study and knowledge about certain things. That was the uh, epistemology. It's <clears throat> epistemology is the investigation of what distinguishes justified belief from opinion. So like what makes something like what makes knowledge knowledge is is mm-hmm. I think is the overarching thing so like i guess like a practical example of something um is like what do you believe to be true that is wrong is a really good way to measure this so like for comedy and like charles right Mm -hmm. objectively based off of thousand person community so if you're a comedian then you can't really see success because your audience is so small that's a belief that's not truth right so but the truth of it is only learned through you taking action so to me the whole idea of the quantum physics metaphysics thing is that potentiality and intention is more important than objective fact because objectivity is something that can be discussed and debated so if it can be discussed and debated it's not necessarily true the only thing that's true is like what you're experiencing by building out this massive brand in a town so small so that's like a really poor example of like this elaborate philosophical statement of epistemology because mm-hmm. it's very it's like you're so you're creating an art so since you're creating an art you're not using objective data to make your decisions you're you're using you so you're creating you're like calling to something from this field of intention and since you're co-creating with it you're creating something Mm -hmm. so that's like an example of something that's like very very surface level oh this could be perceived as the truth and a belief versus what could actually happen, which is potentiality. So everything, if everything is made of energy and information, then everything is is simply pure potential, which comes from the notion of you can do anything is because anything truly is possible because it's very subjective. So what where do you, you think? This topic? You, oh, dude, way too much time to think. 
like, I don't know. I, my, I've always been interested in shit like this. <laughs> but that's how I see stuff. I don't I don't see things black and white. I see things very abstract all the time. Every everything to me is poetry, and like it comes and goes. Like nothing holds true long enough for it to be only objectively true forever. It's like, well, it's only objectively true for a specific amount of time and maybe even just a generation. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, since you are someone who is co-creating with this field of intention of limitless possibilities, what are some principles that you're finding to be true that you can't really do without to actualize your dream? So while you are taking this action of pure potential, what are some things you're noticing that like that are you have to definitely do these things in order for your dream to be actualized? Uh, definitely getting in front of getting on stages that I'm not used to and doing that often. That's probably the biggest thing that I've learned over the past like couple months, because there was a time where I didn't go out of Lake Charles and do any other shows besides the ones that I was hosting. So not only was I not doing shows anywhere else, but I was also hosting, which is a totally different mindset and uh, set of skills that you have to use for the show. Because with hosting, you're just there to make sure that the crowd has a good time. They get in, in interested, they get engaged. Most of the time, the host set is the worst set. And that's just because you're doing the job of getting the crowd warmed up. So they're not there yet. You're just like dipping their toes in the pool, getting them a, you know, like a little taste of the show before the actual show starts. So that it, it's, it's a and then like if somebody does bad then you have to go up after them and reset the mood or reset the energy in the audience to get them ready for the next person so it's a lot of you're just like like you're not only do you get people invested but you're the glue that holds all of the boards together on the fence or you're the nails because you have to bridge the gap in between each person as well. Because if you go up there, like you could throw out, sometimes it's good to throw out a joke. Sometimes people will do crowd work and I've seen it happen before. They'll do crowd work, like right before the headliner goes up. Cause they're like, Oh, this is not going well. And then people leave. And then it just makes it like kind of a worse situation for the headliner or they do the crowd work whenever the headliner is supposed to be the one doing it. So you have to know, when to talk and when not to talk, when to keep the show going and when to, to pull back and like, like kind of take some time with yourself to reset the audience. So, because sometimes you'll have really good comedians who are hosts and they'll do time in between sets or they, they just do stuff that, cause they're so used to being like, cause they are a headliner, but in a host spot, they can only do a certain amount of time and they don't get the normal stage time, but they treat it still as like, this is my show. I'm going to do as much time as I want in between people. And it fucks up the rhythm of the show. So that's knowing uh, how to handle the crowd and when to engage, when not to engage, and just make sure to keep the energy flowing in between like the lines, in between like the, uh, the banks of the river. So you don't get, you know, stranded somewhere. So that that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned as far as like hosting. And then the other part is just like getting in front of audiences that you don't know and that don't know you. Um, 
I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. He's a comic out in Austin. And he said that he's gotten to the ability to where he doesn't have to do open mics anymore. Now, what do I mean by that? Is that at first I was like, oh, maybe that's an ego thing. But then I was like, no, he's gotten it set up to where he can he do just those- up so much. Like- exactly. Yeah. So whenever he does new material, he can do it in front of a book crowd. So he's still practicing. Right. He's still evolving. Right. But the difference is in like a bigger city, like in Lake Charles, we'll get people to the open mic. In a bigger city, you're normally just doing it for three people and 20 comics. So you're not going to get actual feedback, which is what you need from your jokes in order to make them better. Because that's something I saw over here. I would do jokes over here. And I didn't realize that because of the way I was saying it, the people around here, they they already kind of knew who I was and familiarized with me. So it was easier to get them on board. And then whenever I went and said the jokes in Houston, people were like kind of, I don't want to say disgusted. That's not the right word, but they were like, they were uneasy into my transition into it because they didn't already know who I was. So it just like, there was like a buffer. And so I changed the wording of it. And whenever I changed the wording of it, it made it more inclusive and more universal to where I could do it to more audiences. So that's that's something that I learned as well. Like you got to be able to go out and test different audiences to find out what's going to work the best for all of the audiences while still getting your joke across and being unique with it. There's a very slight lag in this Zoom. There is. So what if you incorporated a T-shirt cannon while you're hosting? <laughs> I thought about getting a t-shirt cannon, man. They're just expensive. Uh, How much are they? I think the last time I looked it up, it was like fifteen hundred to two grand. Oh shit, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and that's not something. A slingshot. Get. Yeah, <laughs> that would be cool. Just get a little slingshot, kind of fling it up in the you air. Get, where it, like, you can get two of the comedians to come on. They can hold it, and you and you can just like launch t-shirt. That's actually a really good idea. I know, I'm full of them. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Dude, what do you think about these? Man, I know that if I drink uh, drink them like three days in a row, my liver starts to hurt. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely have a price. Yeah. I think it's the best type of energy that I can drink out of a can. Why do you say that? Because I don't feel like it has a really negative repercussion at the end of it. I never feel a crash. I feel like you can do, you can overdo it a little bit. Like you could never drink like two of these in a row and like be okay. Like you would Mm -hmm. probably be freaking out. But I love these things, dude. These are like the perfect midday drink. And I think they blended the the perfect amount of addiction and product placement in professional sports for everyone to like these things. Yeah. Do you drink them? Do you drink them just for like a coffee? Like to like how someone would drink coffee, or do you drink them how like like a pre-workout, like to go work out? Usually like a midday tea. I'll drink like half a can. I won't drink a whole one. I'll just drink like half and it's it's perfect. You save the other half for the next day? Yep. Mm-hmm. I actually saw so an interesting shots. 
slurred sink shots. That would be cool. Epistemology. Uh, well, I want to I want to talk about the Celsius thing a little bit because I actually saw a video today because the FDA has been going after prime energy drinks because mm. uh, they're like, oh, well, their caffeine intake is is terrible. And it's like, well, if you take an actual look at it, they're one of that's like 200 milligrams is what's in it. 200 milligrams is what's in that Celsius you're drinking. Like 200 milligrams is pretty much the status quo as far as like sports energy drinks go. So, but the the thing that the FDA is getting on them for is that it's, is that they're saying that it's marketed towards children because of Logan and Jake Paul, because that's what a lot of the audience is. Um, But the video that I saw, he's a, he's a personal trainer guy from Australia that I've, I've been following for a couple of years. And he actually like did the math and the amount of caffeine that you're like, that is like kind of safe to intake every day. For someone, I think it's like around four, if you're around like 200 pounds, it's around 400 milligrams. So like that's only about half of what like you should take in. Not that you should take in, but like that's like the max. You feel me? Because it goes by like however much uh, like your body weight. So the same way like protein works. Like you're supposed to get in, I forget how many grams of protein per body weight. Like whatever body weight you want, then you want like one gram of protein per body weight per pound. So just a fun little tidbit. I think it's a, it's a subjective. So maybe like pound for pound, there's like a base level, like this is healthy, this is not healthy. Mm-hmm. I think there's a subjective most optimum intake per person for sure. Yeah. Like if you, if you, you can definitely drink too much caffeine and be the kind of person that really shouldn't do that. Like me, dude, if I drink one of these and I'm like talking about some crazy ass topic, I can go on and on and on and on and on like forever mm-hmm. until, until it like wears out. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel like your hangovers are? From alcohol or from uh, like energy drinks? From alcohol. Uh, miserable uh i wake up dude if i don't shower beforehand whenever i wake up i just feel because most of the time if i'm like hammered and i get home then i'm just like i'm just going to sleep and then i wake up my sheets are all gross because i just like you know i get all hot and sweaty you know from being out and drinking especially in louisiana and then, but yeah, so I like, dude, take a shower. If I take a shower, drink a glass of water and eat something, I normally feel a thousand times better. Uh, but it also depends on how much sleep I get. So normally if I go to bed, I normally like can't sleep past 1030. Uh, so if I go to sleep at like five or six, which I've done a few times in the past few weeks, then it's like, it's just a miserable day. Uh so it really it's based on like five a.m. partying with all the comics. I had before, yeah, dude. Honestly, no. So what what happens is like normally I'll get home around two or three. Uh, like this the last the last show we did, I didn't even get drunk, but I I, I stayed out there with the comics and we talked bullshitted to like two or three, and that's whenever I got home. And then I, I can't go to sleep because the adrenaline pumping through me is so high. Like I just lay in bed and sit there so i think some of that may also have to do with like my caffeine intake and pre-workout 
So what I've been trying to do is like, I've been waking up at nine every day. Um, that way I can just not be a degenerate and wake up at noon. And, but nine still gives me enough time to sleep if I stay out late or do whatever. So like today, got up at noon, uh, sent out some marketing, sent out some uh, made posts. And then, but I'm trying to get my workouts in like around noon or so, because that's whenever I take my pre-workout because it doesn't keep me up. Cause dude, I, cause even if I don't do anything and I just get home, I, I like, I'm not tired. I can't fall asleep and I don't fall asleep till like three or four in the morning because I'm just, I'm still amped up. So I'm trying to like adjust my schedule to where I'm taking in my caffeine intake earlier in the day so I can sleep at night. Hmm. Yeah. But hangovers are pretty bad too. Uh, <laughs> you get pretty, I've, I've just been drinking like just vodka and tequila pretty much. Uh, so you mix like, them together. Yeah. I mix them together. I get a little dollop of spit and then I mix that together just for your little personal flavor and uh, go from there. What do you think makes podcasts worth listening to? Of all the millions of people that have microphones now, what is it that makes people actually care about what other people are saying? I think it comes from, cause I'm trying to think about like, okay, so why would I listen to somebody's podcast? And normally it's like a comedian or like, I'll see a clip of somebody. I'm like, Ooh, they said something interesting. And then I'll listen to a few episodes and pretty much if I enjoy what they're talking about, or I can relate to what they're talking about for about 60% of however many podcasts I listen to by them, then I'm like, okay, you know, I'll listen to this podcast. Cause some dude, there's honestly, there's some people I'll listen to, you know, full episodes, of their podcast. And there's some episodes I just can't get through. So I think it's just, it's building a relationship through branding. And so if you already know them from something else, which is how most people that do podcasting are nowadays, it's, you know, them because they were your favorite actor, you've seen them in a stand up bit, or they wrote a book you enjoyed. So you just want to hear more of that. You're going to get a lot of shit that you don't want to hear, but you, you, you get something that you like and then you just like, you want to repeat that. And so you're just listening to try and repeat that experience again. I think that's what it is. What do you think? I think it's, it's, it's such a, a rainbow of different reasons, but I think leveraging an audience is, uh, is probably how you get listeners like if you're a podcast and you're interviewing people, you're going to have a way better success ratio than like if, if me and you just did this podcast forever, because who cares, right? Like, but if you have on Tom Segura, people are, people are going to care. And then you might take some of his audience of 22 year olds that are trying to be where you are in three years. And that might be how you build your audience. Like I'm learning right now. I'm doing a you're I mean, you're in it, but I'm doing like a free mastermind mm -hmm. and the amount of people that, that like that do not ever hit me up 
that hit me up about doing this was pretty cool. Mm. So like, you don't, you really don't know who's watching you all the time. Um, so I think it comes down to leveraging and monetizing an audience, but the way your audience is built is so subjective. And I think if you have no ace in the hole, then it's, it's just consistency. Like you just keep putting out content and then hopefully somebody or a group of people find interest in it and then you're good. So I think it's a mixture of that and leveraging other people's audiences. Mm-hmm. And if you created, if you, if you created something that people enjoy and, and you also, it's like, it's like if you sell shirts at your show, you created something. That's what I learned about Crimson Finn, dude, was like, it was so hollow. It was just a story. Mm-hmm. There, There is no Crimson Finn before Crimson Finn. It was just a story. So how many times can you tell that story? And how many times can that story get told to where the brand becomes like crystallized? Where like if you're a kid, this is like diamonds are a good example of this. Like diamonds the whole idea of diamonds was controlled by like a small group of people. So imagine an idea that gets like passed down by generations. The brand doesn't necessarily need storytelling anymore to get it where it needs to go. So I think that at at every single level, there's like different reasons why people give a shit. And that's Mm -hmm. why people that have podcasts are successful is it can you make people give a shit and can you really deliver on actual value and not just think that what you have to say is important because it's not right it's like but but there are things we could say that people would find value in right so i think it's very uh and luck you've also got to get really lucky like dude this bobby chick on tiktok is like Probably one of the luckiest people I've ever seen. Like, do, does like three interviews. Mm. I, I know you've seen this girl. Yeah, now she interviewed Drake like recently. And since and since you know that, mm-hmm. right? So that's where I think people are going to. I think in our generation, we're going to see people people that have like for real power. Like, imagine Drake in ten years. He'll be like a Snoop Dogg, right? It's like Snoop Dogg has wine. He has a TV show. He's got music, but like the music didn't really, it didn't really do that much. Like, I mean, it did, but that's another thing that I think is an interesting like perspective on is your podcast valuable? It's like, did you create cool shit that people can't figure out why it was cool? Like music is a great example of that. Music has no objective, like that song, The Rich Men in Richmond. That's yeah. another one that just popped off. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I it's think like, I, where did that come from? Why did that work? Like you, no one knows those answers. It just did. Yeah. I think part of it's cause like the internet, everybody, there's not as many caps on getting your stuff out there anymore. Like, I mean, mm. that's, I mean, that's beating the dead horse. Like everybody talks about that, but it's true. Like you and I are able to do an interview and 50 years ago, you could only do an interview 
that like you could actually get out to the public that people would see if you went on TV or invited on the news or something like that. Like you have to be uh, like on the late night show or something like for people to actually hear you, but like people have the opportunity to hear us. And so no, but that doesn't mean anybody is going to, but we have the opportunity to put it out there in the chances that it does get listened to. So I think, I think that's really what it is. Cause it's, I mean, if you listen to like that rich man, rich man from Richmond, North of Richmond, like that, like all the people are trying to sign him, but if they had had signed him beforehand, they wouldn't have allowed him to make that song, but it was because he could go out in the woods, record it himself, and then just post it into the ether that people found out about it. So I think that's what a lot of it has to do is that you not having as much control over being creative. The fact that people are able to create more because they, people have free time and can actually explore their talents. And the fact that it's just, it's, it's available for someone like that to reach a large audience. That's that. I think that's what it is now. Why those things blow up. I, I can't tell you. I, th- I mean, I think something like that, it resonated with people for sure, but I'm sure there's a yeah, thousand there's other millions songs. Of songs. Exactly. Millions of songs resonate with people. Mm-hmm. It just right time. Right. Cause he, he'd been posting for years. He'd been posting that kind of music. And then just all of a sudden that one song took off. Yep. We have five minutes. Dude, I've been like, like just testing out this little mastermind thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about like online products, bro. Like how, how can we monetize on the internet you know like that has to be figured out i think if you had an online store and you have just hundreds of courses how to I don't, i'm just gonna make sure about how to how to host your first show as a, as a comedian how to get started in comedy with zero dollars well, whatever whatever how to thing there is i think like i used to think that there was already plenty of people doing that that have courses and have whatever but dude, there's people in the world that don't even have the internet yet and there's every day there's new new generations of people mm-hmm. so like if you're what i'm learning about the like the whole like how, how to invest in real estate thing dude it's been since the beginning of time like it's been like so ideas have been monetized forever mm-hmm. and I, I think that it's an infinite cap on how much you can actually monetize and grow an audience. And I really want to like see how big that could go, but I don't know how to do it, but I think eventually I'll figure it out and it'll be really cool. Well, I think that's, that's why I've always told you just go for it. Cause I know you've, you've had this idea beforehand. You've talked to me about it. But I don't, it's one of those things like you're just not going to figure it out until you start doing it. And then you make mistakes and you're like, oh shit, I should have done that. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've had something where I'm like, damn, I really want to do this, really want to do this. And I finally do it and I make the mistake and I'm like, I could have so easily avoided that had I just known, but I didn't know until I tried it. And then yep. I, I feel like that's how, that's how jokes are. That's what I love about stand up is that it's so responsive. Literally everything you do, the crowd yes, responds. You get a feedback. It. The feedback loop is very quick. Exactly. Yeah. 
And without the feedback loop, it's nothing. So I love that. All right, man, anything else? What's today? September 6th, 2023. I'm turning 27 next weekend. Damn, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think birthdays. You're turning 27? Yeah. You're 26 right now? Yeah. Are you questioning that I'm not sure how old I am? I thought you were 27. Well, that means you're only one year older than me. Yes, I was the youngest kid in my class. You just seem like the oldest. Because I can beat people up. Oh, shit. <laughs> Don't beat me up. <laughs> Dude, so... There's much more to talk about. We have a minute, but... um. Where, what is the biggest thing that you've learned doing what you're doing that's going to get you where you need to go next? Getting on stage more. That is literally it. Just, just doing, hitting as many stages, getting as much stage time as possible and practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing, practicing, training, training, training. That's all that matters. I'm in my training arc. I'm watching you get better, and it's really cool. It's really cool because, like, I I have the, I can see it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I can see like where things go, and that that's what I'm really what I'm noticing right now. We have less than a minute. What I'm noticing right now is that to get from like point zero to point A is pretty simple, but then to get from point A to point B is very subjective, and it's a lot bigger. Like it's a whole different piece of the puzzle that requires new skills and different things. Yeah. So we have to give something up in order to get to that point. And I and I'm always asking myself, what do I need to give up right now? So let's 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 end on that and then next week or yeah, next time whenever we talk, we'll go over that. Okay. I think that's a good I think that's a good stopping point. Can you tell a joke before we're done? No, it's probably about to cut out. What about a sentence? I don't have one right 